This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Wyatt Johnston and the Dallas Stars down the Seattle Kraken 2-1 Monday night in Game 7 to set up the Final Four of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars in the West. And it all begins with the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes out east tomorrow evening. Welcome to the program. It is Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor in the other room. Lots to get to on the show today. We'll obviously chat and uh, get into the NHL's Final Four now that they are set. Like we mentioned, a big Game 7 win for the Dallas Stars last night. We'll talk about that with Brian Ray. From uh, Bally Sports, covers the Dallas Stars. Not all that long ago, the Dallas Stars were uh, making some noise in the bubble. But then petered out for a couple of seasons. Now back with the likes of Jake Ottinger, Rupe Hintz, and Wyatt Johnson, as you just heard, leading the way. So we'll dive into uh, all of that. Plus, coming up a little bit later on in the program, Kurt Miloski, head coach of your Calgary Roughnecks, will join us. The Roughnecks. Back in action on Saturday at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome for Game 3 of their West Final against the Colorado Mammoth. The series tied at one game apiece after a massive Roughnecks win Saturday night at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. They now get set for the series deciding game coming up on the weekend. We will uh, check in with the head coach. Uh, of your Roughnecks coming up a little bit later on to get you set for that one. Look back on the games against Colorado they've already had and uh, set you up for this weekend's matchup. Plus, uh, the Calgary Wranglers. What a game last night. Game three of their set against Coachella Valley in the Pacific Division Final. It goes to triple overtime. Sandra Persina on the call, and unfortunately for the Wranglers, they wound up on the losing side last night. And they score! That'll do it in triple overtime. Riker Evans gets mobbed by his teammates. And the home team in triple overtime getting it done. What a game. The Wranglers throw absolutely everything they could at the Coachella Valley Firebirds in OT. Not able to get it in. Uh, they shot outshot them 19-3. to Wranglers, 19 shots in the first overtime period. Were not able to beat Joey Decord. Coachella Valley, as you heard, wins it 3-2 in triple overtime. Game four going Wednesday with the Wranglers season now on the line 
in this best of five. And what else can you say? These two teams just play close hockey games. It's just how it works when Coachella Valley and Calgary get together. Talked about it heading into this series, how through eight regular season games, these teams went four and four, lots of one or two goal games. There was no blowouts. Neither one of these teams really game one of this series. 6-3 Coachella Valley was the the outlier of the entire season. Everything else between these two teams has been razor thin as far as the difference goes between the two. And uh, just so happens that last night they were finally able to get one past Dustin Wolf and take a 2-1 series lead. Of course, all of the coverage uh, for game four will be right here on Sportsnet 960. The fans, Sandra Persina, on the call. Hopefully getting lots of rest today after uh, calling almost six periods of hockey last night right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's dive into the NHL story from last night. We are set with your NHL's final four. And who saw this coming when the playoff bracket initially came out? Dallas and Vegas, Florida and Carolina. Now, Taylor, I know you will get into the predictions here in a little bit, and you were so close. You almost predicted this, but not quite. Dallas had something to say. I think that's rude. I put my faith into the Seattle Kraken, and they let me down. That's what you get. Too soon. What a playoff it's been. Even for Seattle to push both of their opponents to seven games. They down the defending Stanley Cup champions, push Dallas to seven games. That's been a great story. Vegas takes out both Canadian teams in the West, easily handle Winnipeg, get past the Oilers in six, who a lot of people had as a potential Stanley Cup favorite coming out of Edmonton this year based on how good Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins were, three guys with the uh, you know hitting the 100 point mark in the regular season Edmonton by no means an easy out then in the east the Florida Panthers have no doubt been the story there they upset the President's Trophy winning Bruins they dominate the Toronto Maple Leafs in 5 games and find themselves as the wild card 2 everybody else in this scenario Vegas comes in as a one seed. Carolina's a one seed. Dallas is a two seed in their half of the bracket. Panthers, the only wild card team to be here in the final four. And speaking of Carolina, maybe just not enough respect on their name. They beat the Islanders in six games to get here and then handled it in five against the New Jersey Devils to set up this playoff matchup. And uh, it's going to be a good one. We're looking forward to it. I will chat more. Stars and, and Golden Knights, like I mentioned, coming up later this hour with Brian Ray and really dive into the the Dallas side of things. But somebody is going to either add their second Stanley Cup to their resume in Dallas or Carolina, or we will see a first-time Stanley Cup champion in Vegas and Florida. And look, some people say this is not a great matchup for the NHL. It's not going to bring in a lot of eyeballs to see Dallas and Vegas or Carolina and, and Florida. I, I, I'm not sure that I buy into any of that. I'm just excited. I think, to be honest, I'm happy that it's a little bit different. Uh, not the, look, the franchise or the dynasty conversation that you have when you have teams like Tampa Bay over the last couple of years, if you go back the last decade, you know, 
it was Pittsburgh, Chicago, L.A. Boston was a bit in that mix, although didn't get to the number of Stanley Cups that maybe the other teams did. I don't know about you, Taylor. I I really like that there's some different teams in this. I love a dynasty, and everybody loves seeing a champion. Don't get me wrong. There's always something special about that. But I like that we've got four teams here that haven't had a lot of recent success. They only have one Stanley Cup to their name. That we're going to see something new that we're something we haven't seen in a very long time when this Stanley Cup playoffs are finally done here. You usually have those teams that are in it every year. You have like the Tampa Bay Lightning the past three. It's just it's fun and nice to have a team that you don't normally see in a conference final or even the finals. I'm excited about that. To me, that makes it more. And and yes, I get maybe here in Calgary, we don't see as much of Florida or, you know, Carolina is probably not a team that you see a lot of, but don't discount them just because they're not a team that you see a lot of or that you haven't had as much time to pay attention to uh, as suddenly they're going to be a boring matchup or they're going to be a matchup that you're not as interested in. Carolina is an incredibly talented team. They're incredibly well coached. Paul Maurice was once the coach of Rod Brindamore. They are meeting up now as head coaches of their respective teams. Florida brings this sort of chaotic offense to everything. Carolina brings one of the sturdiest and deepest defensive structures in the entire NHL. They've gotten here without three key forwards. Now, Tavo Teravainen is getting healthier and maybe an option for this series. But talking about Teravainen being out for most of the playoffs, Svechnikov being out, Pacioretty being out, everybody had every reason to discount this Carolina team, but here they are. Dallas, I thought was was probably out of things. I don't want to say last year turned it for me, but I really wondered after the bubble season what was going to happen with Dallas because Ben and Sagan started to take these massive turns downward when it came to offensive production and they take up so much cap space and people started to wonder is Dallas going to have to do what say Minnesota and Bill Guerin did and really bite hard on a couple of years of salary cap hell to, to move on from a couple of guys. Well, Jamie Ben, after seasons of 39 points, 35 points, and 46 points, put up 78 points this year. Put up 33 goals. He's got 10 points in 13 playoff games. And Tyler Sagan, at $9.85 million himself, didn't blow the doors off offensively. He was right around what he's been the last couple of seasons. He was at 50 points a few years ago, 49 points last year. He puts up 50 this year. But he's got nine points in 13 playoff games. And the young guys on this team in Dallas are taking over. Rupe Hintz has been one of the biggest stories that no one's talked about. The game winner last night off the stick of Wyatt Johnston at 20 years old. By the way, Miro Haskinen is 23 years old. 
somehow Dallas has managed to start turning the table on its core and passing it off to these young guys. And when Ben and Sagan can be regular contributors to the lineup, all of a sudden they're not anchors. It's a huge thing. And now you're talking about the Vegas Golden Knights and for people in Calgary, and I understand this a lot, you know, four out of six years, Vegas has found their way to the Western Conference final. That's something Calgary hasn't done since 03-04 and historically hasn't been able to do very often in their franchise history. But you have to respect it because they were a team that's taken a lot of criticism, a lot of heat. I think in some instances, rightfully so, about, you know, maybe a lack of commitment or I don't know what the right word is when it comes to business, but a lack of, it seemed like, I'll use the word commitment right now in, in place of a better word, because if they could move on from a player to get the next shiny toy in free agency or trade, they were going to do it. And that rubbed some people the wrong way. But at the end of the day, you can't argue with the results. You don't think that Vancouver or Calgary or even Toronto would absolutely trade the success that they've had in the last 10 years for what Vegas has been able to do in their first couple of years of the NHL? Absolutely they would. And Vegas has done it without a superstar like a Goudreau, a Kachuk, a Pedersen, a Matthews, any of that. Yes, Jack Eichel makes $10 million and costs them an awful lot. But he's got 66 points. In 67 games, that's his best as a, as a member of the Golden Knights. His best all-time was 82 points in 77 games. So we've got four different storylines heading into this. And again, while it might not seem like your cup of tea off the top of the, you know, when you look at it and you say, oh, I don't really know. But this is going to be the most exciting Final Four. Give it a chance. I think that there's a lot of great storylines heading into this. And I think, you know, even from a Calgary perspective, even if you're just going to watch the Florida Panthers to see what happens with Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett, there's a storyline there for you to get behind. Uh, a few people were asking about it yesterday. And uh, it is time now to dive into our Sportsnet Today Stanley Cup playoff picks. Uh, Cam, you were asking why we weren't doing this yesterday, and I told you we had to, we had to wait till the series was done. I understand. You were so excited about it. It's thrilling. We had to just had to hold on a little bit, and now we're finally going to get here. And, of course, Brody on the beat had to be a pain in my rear today and has not sent me in his picks yet. So I'm going to text him right now. Give me your picks now okay so that'll give us time while we wait for brody to send in his round three picks uh to look back at round number two and taylor oh so close you were frustrated seattle almost you weren't gonna go perfect because new jersey didn't do you any favors but just you, letting me down. You would have dominated again like you had uh, in round one. So let's review our, our round two picks before we get to round three. Uh, we'll start with Alex while we wait for him to send in his picks. 
he had Oilers in six. That's a no. Dallas in six. That's a point for Dallas. Uh, incorrect on the games, though. Toronto in seven. That's a no. New Jersey in seven. That's a no. Uh, Taylor, Florida in six. Point for Florida. No point for games. Seattle in seven. You were so close. But that's a no. Vegas in six, Taylor. That's two points. And New Jersey in seven. That's a zero. I think I should get a point for the games in the Seattle. No, that's not a no. But I got them right. No, not happening. The points are the points, and it's a very One point for team, one point for game. You have to get the team right in the games, though. We can't change the scoring system now. We did never establish them. I established it in my head. Then those were the rules, and I'm sticking to them even though the rules have not benefited me at all in any of this. Uh, Okay, so Taylor gets three points. She had Florida in six, Vegas in six, missed out on Seattle and New Jersey. Uh, Cam. Yes. Oilers in six. Yeah. That's a miss. Uh, You had Toronto in seven. Yeah. That's a miss. That's hard for a Leafs fan. I get it. You did have Stars in six. Okay. So there's so one. There's one. We'll give you that one. This is a start. Uh, and you had Carolina in seven. In- insane. The only Carolina pick <laughs> that we had. The team I pay the least attention to in these playoffs over the season. Did me the best. Uh, so good for you. You got that. So you uh, got two of your teams right. You missed on the games, but that's all right. Um, I've just been abysmal. Thankfully, Dallas won last night and saved me in this. So I had Stars in six. I'll get my point there. Oilers in seven. Gross. Thanks for nothing, Edmonton. That's a win and a loss. You know what I mean? It's like, like a, a moral, loss, but it's like a. I don't feel bad about it. It's a it. moral win. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm okay with it. But moral wins don't show up on the stat sheet. Leafs, thanks for nothing. <laughs> Devils, thanks for nothing. Uh, I'm just getting pummeled in all of this, so it really is a race to see if anyone can catch up to Taylor. So, Taylor, you had seven points uh, from round one. Add in your three. That gives you ten so far. Cam somehow had six points in round one. You've got two more, so you're up to eight. Uh, Brody and myself both adding one, so we are fighting for last place. It really is down to Cam and Taylor in this, which is... Just unbelievable. It I shows you how this. random these playoffs have been. <laughs> are you so saying close. that it's unbelievable that both of us are in there or that one of us is in there? Uh, hey, no. <laughs> that's for that's for you to decide. That's that's all I'm gonna say. That's for you to decide. No, no, no. I, no, I need I to know. I no, do I'm need to know. I'm proud of both of you. How's that? I'm surprised by one of you. I'm just not gonna say who that is. Mm-hmm. I love you both <laughs> equally. Mm-hmm. You're both my favorites. Okay, mm-hmm. round three. Uh, Taylor, you are in the lead. Therefore, you will kick things off with your round three prediction. Uh, Florida and Carolina go first. Wild card two versus uh, a one seed on their side of the bracket, Carolina. Taylor, where are you going in this series? 
The only thing I'm caught up on is in how many games. Um, so I'm going to go Canes in five. Wow. I just think that at the, by the end of the Toronto series, Florida was kind of losing steam and they weren't playing their best. So I think that Carolina is just a little bit of a better team. Uh, Cam. Panthers, Hurricanes, where are you going? Like, I'm I'm so torn here. Like, Carolina has been playing exceptionally well. They're very hurt, but it doesn't seem to matter. Florida has also been playing very well, but they're not hurt as bad, as far as we know. So, and I'm probably going to end up eating my words for this. I'm going to go Florida in six. And I just think that, I think, um, what are, what are the words I'm trying to say here? I think Florida I has more room for error. I think if one more, like if one big player goes down for Carolina, I think that's probably going to call it for that series. Whereas Florida has just a little bit more wiggle room in terms of their health. Um, and you know, as you get into round three, that really starts to become a problem. Uh, I think Florida just has a little bit more wiggle room. So I have to, I'll side with them for this one. Uh, Alex Brody from Brody on the Beat, uh, Ruskin Rose, technical producer, uh, who's joined us for our picks on the Sportsnet today. Uh, Stanley Cup playoff bracket has his picks in, finally. Uh, he sides with Cam, taking the Florida Panthers in seven games. Uh, I am with Taylor in the fact that I am going to take the Carolina Hurricanes. I am going to do it in six games, however. Um, I've picked against Carolina the last two rounds. Um, I've been proven wrong both times. This team is clearly deep enough to survive some of the loss. I just didn't think they'd get past losing Sveshnikov and Pacioretty. I didn't think they'd have the offense to keep up. They have. I think they have by far the one of the better defenses they're going to see or be able to put up against Florida, and that gives them a chance to slow down a Kachuk, a Barkov, a Bennett, because it's going to be Burns and Slavin and uh, all these guys going for Carolina. So I like the Hurricanes. I'm going to pick them for the first time uh, this postseason. I'm going to say Hurricanes in six. So, Taylor, you've got Canes in five. I've got Canes in six. Cam and Alex both going with Florida. Cam goes six games for the Panthers. Alex goes with seven. That leads us to the Western Conference final. It is the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. Knights in six over Edmonton, Dallas in seven over Seattle. Taylor, who do you got, Dallas and Vegas? I'm going Dallas in six. Dallas in six. Why? I like Pavelski, and I think that he is going to be a— <laughs> I thought you were just going to end it with that. Yeah, I'll just end it there, but no. <laughs> um, I just think that the Stars have a little bit more to prove. And they have kind of just been rolling. Uh, Vegas is still dealing with their goalie crisis of figuring out who's number one. So I, I think that Dallas just has a leg up on them. Uh, Kim, Stars and Golden Knights, sir. I'm going to take this one's a little bit easier for me. I'm going to take Dallas and seven in this one. Um, like Taylor said, just touching on goaltending, if you're going to ask me, you know what what goalie I want to ride on for seven games. I'm going to take Jake Ottinger every day. Um, I think if Jason Robertson gets one in this series, like he's been ice cold the last few 
last few games. He gets one this series. I think the floodgates are going to open for him. Um, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Joe Pavelski is going to continue to produce uh, Rebe Hints, and I I just like I like Dallas. I don't know. Uh, okay, Brody on the beat. Alex Brody is taking the Vegas Golden Knights in six games. Uh, so he is going Vegas. I'm with you two, which frightens me a bit, but <laughs> also tells me that I'm been terrible at uh, my selections this year. So is this why you made us go first so you could just pick? So ours? I could copy the total. That's exactly what it was. Um, no, these I made these last night just in case. So we're clear. Um, Cam pretty much took my answer from me, which is fine because I'm I'm okay with that. Um, Jake Ottinger, I think, looked like scary Jake Ottinger. In game seven last night, which is something that should be worrying for the Vegas Golden Knights. I always tend to lean goaltending when it comes to close series. And as good as Aiden Hill was in that series against Edmonton, I'm still looking at him as like, I don't know, the fourth goaltender on the depth chart for the Vegas Golden Knights. And Jake Ottinger, to me, at his best, whether it's like he was in that Calgary series or just has been a couple of times this postseason can steal games, and that still can be a major factor in these kind of series. So I like Jake Ottinger uh, as the better goaltender in the series. I think Dallas gets back to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I'm going to say that they do it in six games over the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, we're split on the Canes and the Panthers. Uh, Taylor and myself taking Carolina. Cam and Alex going Florida. Three of us, uh, all in sports today, taking Dallas in six or seven games. Brody finishes it off with uh, Vegas in six. So we'll see who comes out on top. Our big, sh- our Sportsnet today uh, playoff bracket picks continuing. I'm sure Taylor will have something out with our uh, round three picks uh, on social media so you can continue to agree, disagree, or uh, just mock the future performance of myself and Alex Brody. Uh, through two rounds. Uh, we got to get uh, out of here for the first segment. We are a little bit over time, but uh, getting to the Atlas Peace and Sports Bar guest hotline across the uh, break. We will chat more Dallas Stars. Brian Ray from Bally Sports covering the Dallas Stars. How did Dallas get back here? How did they uh, battle back against the Seattle Kraken to uh, come out with a win in seven games? We'll talk all things Dallas Stars around the corner here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It was two of the next generation of Dallas Stars that stepped up last night in their Game 7 win over the Seattle Kraken. Rupe Hints pickpocketing Jamie Alexiak opening the scoring for Dallas late in period number two. While youngster Wyatt Johnston, who just turned 20 on Sunday, became the youngest player in Stanley Cup playoff history to score a series-clinching goal in Game 7, passing Flames legend Yarmir Yager, who did so at 20 years, 76 days, when he was with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 1992 Division Semifinals. He previously held that distinction, and now those young Dallas Stars... We'll look to continue their winning ways. They are off to the Western Conference Final to take on the Vegas Golden Knights and to uh, help us break down what was an entertaining series against the Seattle Kraken and look ahead to what this uh, Dallas Stars Golden Knights series has in store for us. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcoming our pal Brian Ray from Bally Sports covering the Dallas Stars. Brian, thanks for doing this as always, man. How are you today? 
Doing good, Logan. Good to talk to you again. Hope you all are well up there. Yes, we're doing well. Thanks uh, for the time. Great game last night. Uh, didn't really fit the narrative of what we've seen all series long, but uh, hey, that's why you've got Jake Ottinger, one of the best in the game, and he certainly helped the Stars pull out a, a big win in Game 7 last night. Well, well, first of all, you're talking about Flames legend Yarmir Yager being one of the youngest <laughs> players to score a Game 7. That's also Dallas Stars legend Yarmir Yager. That's very the true, yes. Season he spent here as well. So let's we got to keep it all in perspective, right? Yes. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it, it it does feel like you're right. It didn't play to the same theme as the rest of the series, but it always feels like there's always one game that's sort of an outlier, and it just so happened that it happened to be Game Seven, and it was a brilliant game. It was a lot of fun. It was it was tight. Uh, you probably look at game one and game seven as the two real tightest of the series where everything else felt like there were blowouts and goals and bunches and, and things like that. But it was a fun series. And I, and I think a lot of, a lot of people, you know, I, I thought Dallas and six w- when the series began, but watching Seattle against Colorado, it's like, man, there's just a lot of foot speed to that Seattle team. And even the three times they played Dallas, like the stars needed a couple of really late heroics or overtime or, or, or some late third period antics to, to get the wins they had, they lost to Seattle. So it, it, it felt evenly matched from the get go. It was evenly matched all the way through. There was a little, uh, little wackiness here and there over the course uh, down in Dallas, obviously, they're excited to have a Game 7 win, but all in all, that was a really entertaining playoff series. You mentioned uh, going into the series, you thought Dallas and 6 made sense. Was there any aspect of the Seattle Kraken that surprised you or maybe surprised Dallas in this series even? The two things that jumped out to me was, one, Seattle's defense. They were clearly a better defensive team when the playoffs began than in the regular season. I always viewed them as a team in the regular season that, that kind of had to outscore their problems. And an extension to that, or the second part, was Philip Grubauer. You know, the, the goaltending, at least numbers-wise, was not good in the regular season. And then Grubauer goes and takes on Colorado in the first round, and there was clearly a different level of play from what he was doing in the regular season. I, I was curious coming into the second round, okay, Philip Grubauer, it's one thing to be motivated playing the defending champions who also kicked you to the curb earlier in your career. Now you're just playing a different team. Can you maintain that level of intensity and motivation? And and clearly he did because he was consistently good for them from round one to round two. And so it it was their back end. It was their defending, their limiting chances, and then obviously their goaltending is what jumped out to me. And it probably did surprise the stars a little bit, but I feel like after the the first two games of a series, you know how the other team's going to play. You, you know, you, you know what to expect now. And it's a matter of just executing your game plan over there is, and can you do it? Uh, so for the Dallas stars, it, it's back to the Western conference final, not all that long ago that they were there in the bubble uh, it feels like forever ago, but it wasn't actually that long ago. But now sort of led by a couple of guys who were part of that team, but maybe not the stars they were. Uh, to use a terrible pun, and an unintentional pun, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that they were now. It's got to be led by a guy like Rupe Hintz, who's you know probably has got to be in the conversation for the Conn Smythe Trophy heading into round number three. But talk to me, Brian, just about the progression of a guy like Rupe Hintz, who's 
come into this Dallas Stars team and come from a relative unknown to being maybe one of their most important pieces to what they're doing in this playoff run? His development track started in the American League because he started at wing and they shifted him to center. And obviously he continued to build on that and his skill set, I think as the league has become more of a skating league, that's the kind of player he is. He, he, he can skate like a gazelle. So that skill set seems to have translated very well. And then when you put him in a position where the, the, the line with him and Robertson and Pavelski has been talked about plenty over the last two, three years, it just works. The, 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 there's no scientific formula that you can bottle up and copy, but for whatever reason, those three players are connected at the brain and it works, and they seem to bring out the best in each other to, to where each player brings something different to that line. So it's he's making his line mates better. His line mates are making him better. It's elevated his game and made him a more impactful player. And I, I caught you talking about him being a second-round pick and, and not necessarily a, a first-round pick and maybe under the radar. Part of that's playing in Dallas, right? You know, it's – 100%. This is, yeah, it's it's not Toronto, it's not New York, it's not Chicago. It, it, part of that is playing in Dallas. And, of course, every, every market wants to be the most recognized and the most honored and get the most attention. But I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know, you can, you can live your life off the ice down here a little bit. It's not the hottest of spotlights burning on you. They saved that for the Dallas Cowboys and the NFL. So that's a good thing. That's kind of a plus about playing in Dallas. But the bad thing is you're not nationally recognized, whether it's televised games or constant media attention, all the time. I think when you go on a playoff run like the Stars did in the bubble or the Stars are doing right now, people now are looking at Rope Hintz or Miro Haskinen or Jake Ottinger. I know Jason Robertson's been quiet in the playoffs, but they're also looking at the regular season he had. And they're sitting here going, wow, that's quite a young core that's in place in Dallas that is really causing some problems for teams on the other side of the ice. And and I think Rope hints with the points he's put up, that's that extra headline with his skill set and what he's able to do on the ice. It's almost like here is the payoff for what we've known about the last, say, three years here in Dallas. Okay, let's talk about somebody that does come in with a bit more of a pedigree, and that's going to happen when you're a third overall selection like Miro Haskinen was uh, back in 2017. But I don't even know what you can say about the guy more than what's been talked about. I mean, Game 7 was uh, probably as picture-perfect as you could talk about, 32.07 on ice. Uh, he held the puck for 2 minutes and 20 seconds. You had that great retweet from Mike Kelly who, who sort of broke it all down and talked about all the great things that he'd done. For such a young guy to come in and, and be this kind of leader on the back end for the Dallas Stars and to be really Mr. Everything for them, I really don't know how you can quantify just how important a piece he is to what Dallas is doing, especially with the offensive production that's sort of ramped up. And, and I don't know if it was missing from his game, Brian, but it certainly went to a different level this year. Well, and look at what happened when he took the puck in the face earlier in the series and how Dallas just imploded. And I think that's your 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 direct account as to how important he is. They're just a different hockey team when he's not on the ice. Uh, you know, as for the study he's been and, and, and the recognition, if you ask a Dallas fan, they're all mad that he's not a finalist for the Norris Trophy. They're they're, they're all angry. So it's he just he 
it, 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 his skating ability is one of the best in the NHL. And, and I don't think people recognize that enough, probably because you, you don't see a ton of them playing here in Dallas, like we just talked about. But he's one of the few defenders that has the foot speed to defend or stay with somebody like McDavid. Can't do it all the time for all 60 minutes of a hockey game. Nobody can, but he's one of the few guys that you can say, all right, he can corral this or keep this within control as well as anybody in the NHL. And because the league is so much more about skating, I think one, that foot speed allows him to defend because he can stay with just about anybody with the puck Two. Pete DeBoer has harped so much about better breakouts to try and fuel the Stars' offense this season after they were so dry in goal scoring last year in the last couple of years. That feeds a player like Miro Haskinen, and you saw the points jump to the highest he's ever had in his career. And it's because his foot speed allows him to do a lot with the puck. And then on top of all that, he now gets elevated to the first power play unit because John Klingberg leaves to go to Anaheim. So it just felt like Pete DeBoer and what he wants to do on the ice was perfect synergy for Miro Haskinen. And frankly, what Miro Haskinen can do for a player, Pete DeBoer is looking at him going, I can do a lot with this guy. And and so it, it, it was a really good fit, it felt like, for those two in particular. And it's obviously fueled Haskinen's season. I know Pete's a guy that we've talked about uh, previously when we've had you on, Brian, but I'm just curious how – you analysis. I mean, the playoffs are always a different beast when it comes to head coaching, and I think in different times, you know, we talk about how guys can be out coached in different playoff series and how that can have its own effect on it. Pete DeBoer is not a guy that's anywhere, you know, surprising to anybody because he's been in the playoffs for most of his career. He's always been a very successful coach, but I'm curious in the last two series how you've seen Pete DeBoer's influence on this team sort of shine through. I think a lot of the post-game comments, especially from Ottinger last night, that he has the this calm demeanor that rarely gets rattled or flipped around or, or altered in any way just because of who he is. And, and let, let's go back to the start of the playoffs. This is before round one against Minnesota. We were doing our pre-playoff you know, presser with Pete DeBoer, and, and he actually brought up a story. And it was when he was in San Jose, and they were in, it might have been the conference final, but against the St. Louis Blues back in 19 when the Blues won the Cup. And San Jose scored a goal off an illegal hand pass that I think was in overtime and ended up winning the game. And afterwards, Craig Berube didn't light up the refs, didn't get angry, just sort of told the media, hey, it happened. We got to move on. We got to get ready for the next game. There's nothing we can do about it. And he, he, he acknowledged Craig Berube's very even-keeled demeanor in a moment like that. And then obviously the Blues go on to win the series. They go on to win the Stanley Cup. He acknowledged that specific moment where he kind of saw how Craig Berube handled it and said, wow, like that that's – that's really important what he did, or he, he thought the way Craig Berube handled it affected the rest of that series. And, and I think he's kind of put that in his pocket. You go to round one, Dean Evison of Minnesota is, you know, calling the stars out for diving and, and Minnesota's complaining about refereeing and the media is asking Pete DeBoer for his reaction. And Pete DeBoer just very politely wasn't going to get into it, was just sticking to the series and just mentioning, look, 
if they're going to give us power play chances, we need to try and score on the power play. He, he, he didn't get sucked into any of that. And I think the team feeds off that type of demeanor. Pete DeBoer was a lawyer. You know, before he was a hockey coach, he, he, he was an attorney. And I grew up in a family of attorneys. Attorneys don't reveal the information they have until they absolutely have to. And they don't want to give you any information by how they react or how they conduct themselves unless they absolutely have to. And I think that demeanor a little bit goes into his coaching. He wants to have a poker face as long as humanly possible. And I think that does bleed down into the team when they see just how calm and unfazed he is by whatever transpires. I know he won't make this a storyline, Brian, but is it a storyline that he's going up against the team he used to coach in the Western Conference Final? Yes, it's a storyline. If we're talking about it, it is. <laughs> right? Yeah, 100%. He was, yeah, he was, yeah he, he was asked about it last night and said, look, there's plenty of time to, to get into that. I think he just wanted to celebrate Game 7. Look, it, yeah, this is the team who let you go for missing the playoffs last year. And now that team is four wins away from getting back to the Stanley Cup Final. But you are also four wins away from getting to the Stanley Cup final and stopping that team. I I don't think Pete DeBoer is hunched over in a room somewhere coming up with a revenge plan or anything like that. (laughs) But are you you telling me he's not going to smile a little bit brighter if he happens to win the series over the team that let him go last year? No, of of course. Uh, It's the same thing. You're telling me that Ryan Suter wasn't smiling just a little bit wider after he beat the Minnesota Wild in round one? You know, it's... Of course, it's a storyline, and it's going to be talked about ad nauseum through the course of this series. But I think what this team, the Dallas Stars, are very good at is compartmentalizing those things. It's a storyline, but it's not the headline or the focal point of the series. It's trying to get four wins before the Vegas Golden Knights. And this team's been pretty good about balancing all those individual things and keeping everything in check through the course of this year. Brian Ray's along with us from Bally Sports, talking all things Dallas Stars. They're getting set to take on the Vegas Golden Knights in the Western Conference Final. Just a couple more for you, Brian. Appreciate the time, as always. Um, how important has Max Domi been to the Dallas Stars and what they've done through two rounds in the playoffs? Well, other than Joe Pavelski, he was probably the most important offensive player in that second-round series against Seattle. So it, he's been vitally important, and... The Stars were such a one-line team for the last two to three seasons, and, and the goal, the goals just weren't there beyond that top line. And, and Jim Milt made it a priority to try and figure that out. That's why he brought in Mason Marchment, and it's why they gave Wyatt Johnston the opportunity to be on the NHL roster. And even then, they still needed to activate more depth, and that's when Dodonov and Domi become trade deadline acquisitions. That was a big focal point, is they needed to have more of a scoring punch beyond that top line. And so uh, last night, Wyatt Johnston in the line with Dodonov and Ben ends up getting that second goal, but in previous contests, it's Max Domi with Sagan and Marchman, and when Domi was brought in, it was two plays specifically with Tyler Sagan and Mason Marchman. Marchman had an injury that kept him out of the majority of the regular season, so we never got a chance to truly see those three together until we got to this round of the playoffs after Pavelski was back healthy. So if they can keep it going, it, it bodes well for the Stars because you want to create that matchup problem down the lineup. And, and also for Max Gomi personally, like he's a UFA. 
he has the next contract that he's trying to play for. So it's, it's one of those beneficial partnerships. Max Domi can get a lot for his hockey future out of a good playoff run with the Dallas Stars, and the Dallas Stars can get a lot for their organization out of Max Domi providing his best hockey, and it's working right now. If the Dallas Stars want to walk away with a win in this series and head to the Stanley Cup final again, Brian, what do you think has to happen against the Golden Knights? Ooh, I think Jake Ottinger is going to have to be spectacular. Uh, I really do. Vegas just looks – they look so balanced. They look they look balanced just like the Stars. They have a few more, I'd say, high-end scores compared to maybe Seattle. So I, I think they are going to need Jake Ottinger to be, to, to be really good. And also, Vegas, the Aiden Hill question mark is going to be surrounding Vegas over the course of the series. Jake Ottinger needs to be better than Aiden Hill. It's on paper, the Stars would appear to have the, the goal pinning advantage. And in two, somewhere along the line, I really look at the depth. I, I really do. And whether it's the... Johnston, Ben, the Donov line, or the Domi, Sagan, Marchant line that we were just talking about. But you look at some of the players up and down the lineup for Vegas, you're going to have to outmatch one of those depth lines. I, I, I think that's really what makes Vegas dangerous, and it, it's why they were able to get past Edmonton partly. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, so it, it's, I, I think it's who wins the goaltending battle and who wins the depth battle, which I know is not a very nuanced new world answer. That's, <laughs> that's pretty traditional in terms of playoff hockey, but it, it, it's kind of the cliche for the reason because it works. So those are the two areas that I'm probably going to watch for. Brian, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, joining us up here in Calgary for a bit. I know you've been busy with radio hits uh, throughout the day, but certainly enjoy the series against the Golden Knights. We'll check in with you again uh, sometime in the future. Pretty soon you're checking on the stars, hey? Yeah, good to check in with you. Sorry for the disconnect earlier, and uh, enjoy the final rounds. Not a problem. Thanks. Take care, Brian. You too. Bye now. Brian Ray joining us down these uh, Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, all things Dallas Stars out of their series against the Vegas Golden Knights. And, yeah, going to be a great series. And, yes, a revenge series for Pete DeBoer, uh, the last head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, now with a chance to upset them. Maybe not upset them, but uh, to uh, get a little bit of revenge against his former team. Uh, in the Western Conference Final. Uh, that series gets going on, uh, when do we get that one going? Friday, Friday night in Vegas. Uh, T-Mobile Arena, 6.30 start uh, Friday for the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. That'll wrap us up for hour number one. Still lots to get to uh, around the corner as we kick off hour two, uh, including a chat with uh, Roughnecks head coach Kurt Miloski coming up in hour two. They've got a big game three on their plate coming up Saturday against the Colorado Mammoth. We'll check in with the Roughnecks head coach and more. Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.